You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. All right. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. We're going to start there today, but we're also going to turn to Luke, chapter 10. We're starting a new sermon series today on seeing with Jesus' eyes, and we're calling it Field of Vision. Speaking of seeing, have you been able to see the harvest outside, the leaves, the fall? How many of you think fall is your favorite time of the year? It is. We know what comes next. We won't speak of that word right now. But I, Teresa and I, Teresa and I, on Thursday, we got the privilege of being the first babysitters for our granddaughter. They live in New York, so we drove across Pennsylvania on Thursday. I'm telling you, it's breathtaking, isn't it? You look outside, it's breathtaking. In addition, you see this little face, isn't that breathtaking? I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. If I get distracted when I'm preaching, it's because I switched my notes to that screen right there. But uh, uh, yeah, so driving across the state is just remarkable how beautiful it is. And and I, I mentioned to Teresa, I said, you know, if all the leaves were yellow or all the leaves were orange or all the leaves were green or red, it would not be nearly as majestic and beautiful as it is because of the great diversity of the colors in the trees. And it's the diversity that makes it beautiful. And I, and I think that that's kind of what God has in mind when he speaks in Revelation about uh, all the nations, all the tribes of the earth gathered around the throne of all different colors, all different languages, all different ethnic backgrounds, all different nationalities gathered around. I think that's the majesty of heaven is going to be the diversity of the people that is in heaven. Isn't that great? And, and so we talk about this seeing the beauty of, of fall, and we know that it's harvest season, it's harvest time. Now, I know we don't live in an agrarian culture, but Pennsylvania is an, is an agricultural state. I mean, the beautiful uh, farmlands that we travel and you see, and farmers this time of year uh, probably most likely have gathered in most of their crops. And if you're a farmer and you go and meet other farmers wherever you meet them at the Grange or wherever it is, so how were your crops this year? How did it go this year? And, 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 and when you think about it, being a farmer is a pretty precarious job, is it not? Because the harvest depends on so many variables that are outside of their control. The harvest is getting ripe and there's bad weather, there's you know, a hailstorm, it could destroy their crops, or there's too much rain, not enough rain. Uh, and, and when you think about it, the season to reap the harvest is a very brief season of time. If they, if they, if they harvest it too soon, it won't ripen. If they wait too long, it gets rotten. And when it's ripe, you got to pick it at the right time and how precarious it is. There's a couple places, several places in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the harvest and he uses the harvest as a metaphor for expending, ex, ex, extending the gospel uh, to people that are ready to receive it. So the first one we're going to look at here is John chapter 4. If you're following along in the Riverside app, uh, the live tab, you can follow the notes that are in there or turn in your Bible, whether it's a digital version or a hard copy. And uh, John chapter 4 
tells a story of a time Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. I got to set the background for this for us to really fully appreciate what's going on here. And, and between Judea and, and, and Galilee is Samaria. Now, Samaritans, and like in, if you've ever been to Israel, if you've ever been to that part of the world, you see where people live very close to one another who have very different views of the world, very different views of God, very different views of religion, and sometimes those views are in conflict with one another. And the Samaritans had been in conflict with the Jews for quite a while, ever since uh, those who became Samaritans blended their Jewish faith with the pagan faith of the people that lived in that region generations before that. So the Samaritans and the Jews hated one another, not unlike we see in the Mideast today with the, uh, the difference uh, uh, among people that are there. In fact, many times when they would travel that area, Jews would not even walk through Judea or Samaria, though that was the, the shortest route. They would go across the Jordan River and around Samaria to get to Galilee because they wouldn't even walk through that part of the region. It's like, you know, going through the town and it's like, I'm not going to drive through that area. That's too dangerous. Well, they would, they, that's how they felt about uh, the Samaritans. So Jesus, on the other hand, has taken his disciples and they're taking the short route. And it's the middle of the day. It's hot. They come to Jacob's well, which is in Samaria and surrounded by fields and a little village of Sychar that's near it. And they're getting hungry, and the disciples go into the village to buy some food and bring back to Jesus. Jesus stays there at the well. And while he's at the well, this woman comes out from the village by herself to gather water for her household or her animals or whatever. Highly unusual, middle of the day, by yourself. Women would usually go out early in the morning. They would go with groups. They were friends. That was their time to socialize and grab the, the water that they needed for their cooking needs and for their needs for the day. And, and here's a woman coming out by herself, and that's odd enough. What's even more odd, that when she gets to the well, Jesus begins to talk to her. Now, you're saying, well, what's so odd about that? We talk to strangers of the opposite sex all the time. But if you're living in that culture, if you're a male, you don't talk to a woman in public unless it's your spouse. In fact, in very conservative parts of the world today, it's still that way. Not only do you not talk to a woman if you're a man, you don't talk to a Samaritan if you're a Jew. They are so far beneath you, you don't even give them the time of day. You don't even recognize their existence because the hatred among them was so great. But when they get to that place, the woman comes to the well and Jesus opens up a conversation with her and asks her for a cup of water. And she says, but you're a man, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for water? And Jesus said something along the lines of, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you for water, you would give water. In fact, I would give you water that, that, that springs up to eternal life. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become to them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She's talking about this. They get into this talk about where to worship. You know, do we worship? The Samaritans worship on this mountain. The Jews worship in Jerusalem. Where's the right place to worship? Jesus says, you know what? The day is going to come when it's neither here nor there because God is spirit and we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not going to be the location of your worship. It's, it's the position of your heart that determines your worship. Hmm. 
says, I'll give you water. So he says, why don't you go back and tell your husband to come and I'll tell you about this living water. And she says, but I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know. But you're living with a man and you've been married five times to five other men before that. And all of a sudden, her eyes opened up. This guy is no ordinary guy. This guy is a prophet. You tell me things that nobody knows. You understand about me what other people don't understand. You talk to me and nobody else will talk to me. I come out from the village in the middle of the day because I don't have any friends. The women have ostracized me. The men won't dare to be seen with me. I have to come out here all by myself and I come out here and you're treating me as a human being. You see, Jesus didn't see this woman as an adulteress. Jesus didn't see this woman as a woman who was married five times. He didn't see this woman as a Samaritan that doesn't know how to worship God right the way that he's learned to worship God. He sees this woman as a woman created by God who was broken, who's had a rough life, who's made awful decisions, is paying the consequences of that. And he saw beyond that and he saw a person that was in need of living water, and he offered her the living water. And my prayer for all of us is that we would see with Jesus' eyes and see people the way Jesus sees people. So she goes back to the village and she starts telling all the villagers, hey, I need to, to, you need to come and meet this man who told me everything I ever did. So she goes away from the well. At the same time, she's passing the disciples who are coming back from the village. They knew that Jesus was talking to her, so they kind of reprimand Jesus. Jesus, why are you talking to this woman? You know, why are you talking to that woman? That woman. You understand that? And they said, Jesus, here, we have food. Eat this food that we have for you. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white and ready for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and the other reaps. I will send you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. When he said, look at the fields that are white and ready for harvest, he wasn't saying, look at the literal fields. He was saying, look at all these people, these Samaritans that are coming out here. Look, they are ready for harvest. The story goes on when they met Jesus, said, Jesus, come and stay with us. Live with, hang out with us, which is a radical statement that they would want Jesus to come. The very people that the disciples didn't want him to talk to, who they wanted to avoid altogether, were inviting them to come and have dinner. Look who's coming to dinner, Jesus and the disciples. And they came and they spent time and built a rapport. It's another story, and that's the other story that I want to touch on. And that's in Luke chapter 10. And in this story... It's about when Jesus was sending out the 72, 72 of his followers. He had already sent out the 12 to go and tell about the kingdom of God and tell the good news. And now he's preparing 72 others to go out and do a little bit of mission work. And, uh, and there he says to them, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Luke chapter 10. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field Now go, now go. And we'll read on what comes after that. 
But this metaphor of the harvest Jesus uses, both in John 4 and in Luke 10, is all about not the literal harvest. It's about the potential we have to reach people who are closer to God than we even know that they are. The harvest is ripe. It might not last. It might not be ripe for long. But it's ripe right now. And it's ripe for the picking. And we need to be ready to be able to tell people whose hearts have been prepared about the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can have an opportunity to enter into the kingdom that God has awaiting for them. And so there are people that are more ready than we know. And I want to pray as we take a little deeper look into John into these passages. Let's pray. God, my prayer for everyone in this room, including myself, is that we would see through your eyes. Let us see what you see. Help us to see the harvest all around us. Broaden our field of vision for those who are ready to come to faith in you. Amen. So how tragic it is when a farmer has a bumper crop but no workers to pick the crop and the crops just rot on the vine. Likewise, how many people are ready to come to Jesus? And Jesus is saying, I need people to tell them. But there's nobody to tell them. Three things he tells us in these passages. First, he says, look, see the harvest. Look at it, look at it. I tell you, lift up your eyes, see the fields. They're white, ready for harvest. You see, the disciples just saw Samaritans. They just saw a sinful woman. They just saw all the rules that we're supposed to live by. And Jesus says, see beyond the rules and see the people. Don't see the bad things this woman has done. See that she needs a savior. See that she's a human being loved by God and is ready to receive Jesus. All they could see was that woman, that Samaritan. But he saw a woman that was spiritually thirsty. He saw people in a village that were far from God, but they were ready. They were ripe. They were ready. And the disciples couldn't see that. They didn't know. They couldn't believe that these people were closer to God than they thought that they were. And I guarantee you, there are people in your world that are closer to God than you believe they are. There are people in your world that are closer to God than you believe that they are. What would it be like if, if, if you saw people like, you know, you go to Walmart and you go to the checkout counter and you didn't see just a person there that's checking you out, but you saw a person there that had spiritual needs. The person at work that might be living a different lifestyle than you agree with. And you, all you can see is the lifestyle that you don't like. But maybe Jesus is seeing somebody that needs God. Maybe it's, you know, that, that person in school that, that, that is, you know, so insecure. And yet they're covering up their insecurity by putting on this hard-nosed face. And they're acting up and they're being... Uh, rude and, and hurting other people and picking on the weak and you see them as an idiot as they are and God's saying here's a person that's broken and they need Jesus because only Jesus can change their heart. Maybe it's a spouse you've given up on and it's time for you to see them as somebody that needs Jesus. I don't know what that person is. I don't know who that is in your life but I believe all of us have people in our world that are closer to God than we know. And God, through his Holy Spirit, has been working on them. And he's just saying, somebody, please, invite them to come to Jesus. Invite them to put their trust in Jesus. Somebody tell them the good news. 
Somebody tell them. God's prepared that person for you to talk to them. And, you, and if only you did, you'd be shocked at the response that you would get. You know, you've never locked eyes with somebody that Jesus doesn't love. Can I say that again? You've never locked eyes with somebody that Jesus doesn't love. And yet we don't see them through Jesus' eyes. So he says, look, see the fields. And then he says, pray, pray, pray. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Notice the urgency in it. Pray Pray earnestly. There's more people ready to receive than willing to come. I love what Paul writes in Romans. He says, how will they call on him in whom they've not heard or believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And are they to hear without somebody speaking or preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. And it's good news. It's good news. And so our response is, God, send somebody. God, God, I know that there are people that need Jesus. Send somebody. God, send somebody to go. Please help somebody. And maybe you have somebody in your life that maybe you can't talk to them. And maybe you need to be praying, oh, God, you know my child doesn't want to hear it from me anymore. God, please send somebody into my child's life. Please, God. You know, my parents have heard it from me and they, they've turned me off, but maybe there's somebody in their world, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. Maybe God sends somebody into my parents' life. God, you know my friends. God, help somebody. Pray earnestly because that person may be closer to God than you think they are because they've not received it from you. But that doesn't mean somebody else wouldn't be able to tell them. And maybe somebody is praying for your friend who is somebody's child. And they're saying, God, send somebody. And maybe you're that person that God will send into that person's life. Pray earnestly. Pray earnestly for God to send somebody. God sees the fields that are ripe. They're ready for harvest. And he's saying, who's going to go for me? Who's going to go for me? He see, There's so much potential of people to come to faith in Jesus. And God's saying, who, who will go for me? And maybe it's just a brief window of time in that person's life that they are ready to receive it. The door opens and their heart is open. God's done a work and they're ready and there's an opportunity. But nobody steps into that opportunity and the door closes. You know, we, we get so upset when we're watching a football game and, and Antonio Brown is wide open in the end zone, but Landry Jones doesn't see him and it's like, ah, he's wide open. Why didn't you see him? And I think God's up there and somebody's heart is wide open for Jesus and God's like saying, ah, <laughs> why doesn't somebody tell that person? Maybe he doesn't do that, but I get that image. (laughs) We get more upset over that than we do about the person that is ready to receive God and nobody steps through the open door. We need to be ready. We need to be praying to the Lord of the harvest. It's He's the harvest. He's the harvest. And we need to pray that the Lord of the harvest 
will send workers. It's his harvest field. It's not yours. You can't save anybody. He's the one that does the saving. You're not their savior. Jesus is their savior. So we need to see and look and see others as Jesus sees. And we need to pray earnestly for people willing to tell what Jesus has done for them. And then he says, go, go. God sends somebody, but not me, right? Go, go. And then the next line, he says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now that's a great sales pitch, right? (laughs) Go, I'm thrusting you out. That's the force of what he's saying there. I am pushing you out of the nest. I'm thrusting you out into that world like parents taking their kids to college for the first time. I'm thrusting you out into that big wide world. Go out into the world and make a difference now. God's saying, I'm sending you out. Why would he say, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves? You're gonna be devoured. Why would I wanna go out and be devoured? Because God wants you to know it's not your strength that does it. He wants you to go in fear and trepidation. He wants you to go feeling like you're not capable of doing it. It's, it's as if Moses is at the burning bush, right? And God said, Moses, I'm calling you. I've heard the cry of my people. Now go and set my people free. And Moses makes all the excuses that he could think of. And finally, the end of which he says, oh God, couldn't it be somebody else? I think that's where a lot of us are. Oh God, we know that this person needs Jesus, but God, not me. I don't know what to say. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't have the Bible memorized. I might get it wrong. They might not like me. They might reject me. And, and we become so narcissistic about sharing our faith that we think it's all about us. It's not about you. Here's a person that's broken. Here's a person that might need Jesus. And all you need to do is go. Open your heart to them. Tell them, tell them. So how are we to go? How are we to go? He goes on and he talks about that. He says, he says, uh, um, he says we have this, um, or no, I'm sitting out like sheep among wolves. And then he says, don't take a purse. Don't take sandals. Don't greet anybody on the road. And, and in other words, he says, I'm sending you. And, and he sent them out and he would tell them to go to this village. And don't be sidetracked. Don't, don't get distracted from where you're supposed to go. Go. Go and don't take a bag. Don't take stuff with you. You're not going on vacation. You're not going to collect a bunch of stuff. He's, he's talking about the charlatans of the day. Every, every day and age has the snake oil salesmen that are going around and selling something that's faked and collecting money for it. Don't take a purse. You're not going out there to get rich off of these people. I don't want you going from house to house and begging. I want you to go to some place, and if there's a person of peace that's there and they invite you in, then stay there and, and, and bless them. And don't go around from house to house. What are we to say? What are we to say? He says, when you enter a town, verses eight and nine, he says, and you're welcomed, eat what they give you. Don't be picky. (laughs) Beggars can't be choosers. Eat what they give you and stay there and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is here. Notice the order there. Go, get to know them. Build a relationship with them. Whatever is in your power to meet their physical needs, heal the sick, pray for them, see God work in their life, and then say, that's the kingdom of God. 
God's welcoming you in. In other words, our actions have to precede our words, right? Words without actions are dead. We need to precede that kind of uh, good news by demonstrating the good news to them. That's why I love partnering with Convoy of Hope because they demonstrate the good news and they present the gospel of Jesus Christ with their actions and their words. Because if you just go preaching at people and you're not living it, you start preaching at people and they, and they see that you're, you're just, you know, speaking a lie because it's not real in you, then it's not good news to them. It's not good news to them. Go, tell them. The king- Jesus' first sermon was repent for the kingdom of hand is upon you. The kingdom of hand is, what's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God is simply where Jesus is in control. You know, we think the kingdom of God is heaven. It's some universe far away that when we die, God has another place he'll take us to or whatever. Kingdom of heaven is after we die. And what did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name, what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. And when we go and announce the kingdom of God has come, we are saying right now we can be a part of a better kingdom than the kingdom we're living in. We can be a part of something better than the kingdom of the United States or whatever kingdom people live in. We can be a part of a kingdom without borders, a kingdom where all are welcomed, a kingdom where everyone is equal in God's eyes, a kingdom where there is truth and justice that prevails. We can be a part of a kingdom where love and mercy reigns and hatred and evil is erased. And it begins when one person comes to faith in Jesus Christ and it begins right here. Oh God, why don't you fix all the problems in the world? And God's saying, let me fix you first. Let me fix the hatred in your heart. Let me fix the sin that binds you. Let me fix what's going on with you. And then why don't you just tell other people they can find the good news too. That's the gospel, folks. And that's what Jesus sent them out to do. But what if they don't believe? What if they don't receive it? What if they think that I'm crazy? Well, Jesus goes on and talks about that and explains to them, well, if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, the one who sent you. And then he talks about the, the, the cities around Galilee that saw the, the miracles of Jesus and heard his teaching. And he says, those of you that experienced it and you reject it, it's going to be worse off for you than Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. It's going to be worse off for you than those people that live along the coast in Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment because you've heard it, you've received it. And he's, I think today we could equate that to the churchgoer who's coming to church week after week and they say that they believe it, but their actions don't match their words. And they're living just like everybody else that's bound and, and, and there's no difference. He's saying, how can you say but you're not receiving and believing it and following. You're not letting the kingdom of God rule in your heart. And so, lift up your eyes, he says, and see the fields. The harvest is ripe. Who is it that's in your world that might be ready to receive? We're going to receive communion in just a little bit. Before we do that, I'm going to invite those that are preparing to uh, go ahead and, and prepare to uh, serve us. And... Um, I want to pray. I want to pray. While they're doing that, I want to pray for us. And three things I want to pray for. I want to pray for us to be able to see through Jesus' eyes, right? I want to pray for those who 
are ripe and ready to receive Jesus, and you might have those people on your mind, maybe there's kids or family or friends or loved ones or enemies that you have that you want to just say, God, you know who I'm praying for, and maybe God's placed a person on your heart. We want to pray for them. So we want to pray for us to have eyes to see, pray for those that are close to having somebody come and tell them but I can't help but pray. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to receive Jesus. And maybe today's the day for you to cross that line of faith and welcome Jesus into your heart. So let's bow our heads. Lord, I I pray for all of us that we might have your eyes to see the, the harvest that's ripe and ready for harvest. Help us to see people as you see people. Help us to realize that we've never locked eyes with someone that you do not love. And may we see them as you see them needy of Jesus, even if they're angry, even if they are speaking lies and full of, uh, of things that we do not agree with, God, help us to see them as you see them and love them as you love them. And God, we pray for our loved ones who we know that don't know you or maybe that person that you've placed on our hearts. And God, we pray for somebody to come into their world and point them to Jesus and let them know of God's love and forgiveness and mercy. God, you know who that person is, those people are that we're thinking of right now, and God, send somebody. And if it can be us, God, send us to go. But finally, God, I want to pray for the person who's here this morning. And, you know, they've been around Christianity. They know about Jesus. They, maybe today you have been preparing their hearts for this day that they can open their heart to faith in Jesus And maybe they're here today and all they need to do is say, Jesus, please, I need you. I need you. I know my life is not perfect. I know that I messed up. I know that, that God, if I had to be perfect to get into heaven, I would never get there. So God, please, I need forgiveness, first of all, from you. And I believe that that's what Jesus came to teach us and make available to us when he died on that cross and that's why we partake of communion so Jesus forgive me of my sin Jesus I'm tired of running my own life and doing things my way without considering what God would want and so Jesus I yield to you and I ask you to come and fill my mind and fill my body with your thoughts and with your spirit that I might see and think and act and react the way you do give me a hunger and thirst for the things of God and not just the things of my flesh I pray In Jesus' name, come into my life. I receive you right now. And if that's you this morning and you need to do that, just say, Jesus, come into my life right now. I receive you in Jesus' name. I need you. I open my heart to your spirit. I repent and believe that your kingdom is available to me. And right now, I just want to walk into that kingdom, that spiritual kingdom. Change me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.